Good. Amen. You know, worship churns up the fallow ground, the hardened parts of our heart, and stirs us up to, to hear the Word of God and to understand the Word of God. So let's do that. I gave you an outline tonight. We have been in a series on fear. And we're looking at this series and the concerns of having fear. And Pastor Ron took the uh, second message uh, of this series that he developed so well concerning peace. And uh, we're going to take it from there. And what I want to share with you tonight are the realms of fear. Three different dimensions, three different realms that fear can attack you. And so I'd like us to go into that study right now. Let's bow our heads. Father, we humble ourselves before you. We need the wisdom of your word. We need the revelation of your spirit. And Lord God, we need the, uh, really the Holy Spirit's shove to do the will of God, that prodding that uh, we would not choose our will, but thy will be done. And we ask for this help now in Jesus' name. Amen. Looking at Jesus' words in Luke twenty-one twenty-six, he says this concerning the last days. He says, Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So we see in the last days, Jesus is saying, these are the signs that are going to happen, that are going to come. This is the activity that's going to take place. And he says, because of these activities, men's hearts will fail them. All right, that includes men and women. So he's speaking anthropologically, men meaning all men and women, that uh, we will have our hearts failing us for two reasons, fear and expectations. The fear and expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. How many of you ever watched a storm come? You ever been driving and you see the rain miles down the road? You know you're going to hit it at some point. You know you're going to run into it. How many of you ever seen or heard thunder and then you see lightning and you count how far the distance is from the, the lightning flash to the rolling of the thunder and you can discern when this storm's coming? Well, I'm hoping you can discern and understand the times we're in now. People's hearts are already beginning to get stressed. Terrorism and, and calamity and war and craziness. So there's an expectation of the end. How many of you are aware of the kind of movies that are being played? They're all end-time scenarios. Even, you know, I mean, really, every movie out is some kind of, you know, robot that's going to save us or android or, or, you know, some spaceships coming back to pick us up or zombies are walking around. There's some nuclear meltdown. I mean, everything's a doomsday message. There is an expectation in the human heart that something's coming. So fear and expectation is failing men's hearts because what is coming to the earth and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Even those who don't believe in a God think we're coming near the end of the earth because of pollution and because of uh, the Antic, uh, Antic, Antarctic caps. This, uh, Arctic caps are melting and they're flooding. And, and you see what I'm saying? Uh, across the board, the human heart has an expectation of the failing of the earth. But 
Believers need to turn this thing around and understand the expectation we have is the manifestation of the sons of God, that good things are coming. These are birth pangs of a greater revelation that is coming to the earth. So we have to turn this thing around. And so what fear does is it attacks the heart. It attacks all three realms of our being. And I want to start there. That we have a body, we have emotions or a soul, and we have a spirit. And fear operates in all three of those realms. So what we're going to start with is your body, your physical body. You were wired to have a healthy response with fear. Fear is a good thing if used properly. How many of you ever heard of fight or flight? Right? Now the concept of fight or flight is that in an emergency, in a situation, you will have an adrenaline rush which will promote energy that will cause you to either get ready to fight or run. Now that's wise, isn't it? That's That's an amazing trigger that God put in us. You know, you're walking through the day, la, 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 la. Something comes out of the blue, and you have got to respond immediately. Adrenaline hits, fear strikes you, and you have to make a decision. Do I fight or do I get out of here? And so what happens is an automatic response. What's typically one of the most automatic responses to, to when you have fear? Don't you make a noise? I find that. I, my kids, how many of you ever play that slapping game where you hold your hands like this and someone holds them over them and then you have to slap them? I can't help it. Every time I have my hands up here and I have to pull them away, I go, ha! <laughs> I try not to. <laughs> First response. Ah! Ooh, somebody makes a noise, right? You react. You, you physically react. Even without cognitively making the decision to duck. How many of you hear a loud noise and you duck? Right? I mean, this is just a natural thing. That's, thank God for that. It is, so, so fear is not always a bad thing. It's something that is used in you to respond to a situation. Now, you have to get ready. And that's your determined response. You have to make a decision in the moment of that fear that terror and you're having an automatic response your brain kicks into gear working hard with that adrenaline to say i'm gonna fight or i gotta get out of here now you've got to make that decision but there's a third option well it's not even an option what happens is paralyzation so you consider i'm gonna fight i'm gonna flight or run or i don't know what to do And by that time, you're hurt. Right? Well, what happens is when it comes in such waves and when it comes to such an overwhelming battering of one thing after another, people's hearts become paralyzed with this kind of a fear. Have you ever seen somebody paralyzed in fear? I myself have been paralyzed in fear. I remember the experience. I had such an an, amazing, a horrible trauma in my life that in that situation I froze, I was paralyzed and I tried to speak and my tongue filled my mouth. Now, I don't think it literally did, but 
I felt my tongue being four foot wide and six feet thick. I, I was literally paralyzed. I've had this happen on a number of occasions. That was horrible trauma. The second was trauma, but this time I was at my dissertation, my oral presentation for my master's degree. And um, it's in fine arts, it was in sculpture, and I had to put together a, a show, a final show, and then I had to pick five professors to sit there, and then I had to give an oral presentation of why I created this artwork and this, uh, these sculptures and what it represented and what it meant. I woke up after that event <laughs> wondering, hearing the voice of my professor say, what happened to you? I'd never experienced that before in my life. I speak in front of people, but well, back then I could even speak in front of people then. But something happened. I paralyzed. I have no idea what I said. I had to, I don't know, what did I say? He said, not much. <laughs> I failed my exam. My wife, we were married two years. She was in the car waiting for me. When I came back to the car, she had a card there. Congratulations, you graduated. No, I didn't. <laughs> what happened? I don't know. I was paralyzed. Has anybody ever been paralyzed in fear, right? This stuff happens. You don't choose it. You know, I mean, you think, oh, I'm not me. Mm -mm, no way, no how. I could do this. And sometimes there's a paralyzation that, that comes over you. We're going to need each other in these days. We're going to need each other. We're going to need each other to go, psh, psh, smack, smack. Wake up! Come on! Get with it! We seriously are going to need this from each other. Because you're going to be paralyzed by what you see and hear. Things in your family, things in your life. I'm not trying to create scare. I'm trying to get us to come together to be prepared. So that we're not afraid, but we know how to handle this. And so there is a fight. That's another problem I have. When you scare me, I'll punch you. It's, an, it's what I, it's just, it does. I, I, we just talked about this the other night with uh, some of my friends. I, I had a friend, I don't know if he's really a friend, but he was a friend, at least I thought. And we were down in the basement. Now, I don't do well in basements with lights off. How many of you grew up like totally afraid of basements, Right? The devil's in the basement. Every basement is where he lives. You know? Skip under the bed. He's in my basement. I know it. And we had those light switches, right? You know, he had those little bulbs hanging with a string hanging down. Yeah, and you had like three lights. We had a ranch, so it was a long basement. Three of those lights that I had to hit while I ran to the steps. And my friend was close by the steps, and I hit this light, hit that light, and he hit the light and went, ha, 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 ha. I went, Bam! It could have been him or it could have been Satan. That in my mind, it was Satan. So, I mean, there's a fight or flight. And, and people do things in fear that are crazy, outrageous. And then there's those who just run. Ah! And run. They don't stop till someone stops them. So this is built into us, a fight or flight type thing or paralyzing. Now, here's what people have said fear is. Fear is false evidence appearing real but what do you do about real evidence that is real 
you know, I mean, this is a nice definition to have fear and to deal with fear. But there's real fear because of real situations, right? You cannot always define fear as a false evidence. When that truck is coming at you, this is not false evidence, right? Your roof is caving in. You can't rebuke it. It's coming down. So you got to deal with fear. That's what I'm talking about. So, so there is imagined fear, but there is a real response to real problems. And that's what this verse is talking about. It's not talking about false fear. It's not talking about uh, a sense of, of what's not really there, so don't worry about it, right? Take it easy, all's all right. No, this is in the midst of calamity. How do Christians respond? Okay, so this is real fear. And how many of you love people who, when you're in the midst of a situation that has real fear, they come along and want to comfort you? Oh, don't worry, it'll be all right. Oh, really? You're the one who has false evidence appearing real. I'm dealing with the real thing. Now, there are real threats, and what happens is this with the brain. Now, this is what happens. There are real threats, and then there are perceived threats. And that's where there's false evidence appearing real. Here's the thing. Your body doesn't know the difference. Your body doesn't know the difference. So you have been given a mechanism in you that is going to respond with a chemical release, okay? A chemical release of adrenaline for you to quickly make a decision, do I fight or do I flee? But your brain has to kick into gear to decide, is this real or is it not? How many of you have ever been fooled? How many of you use, you know, throw a rubber snake in front of somebody, right? Or you're walking along and someone drops a little rubber spider down in front of you, ah, and you hit it. Your brain didn't know that that was fake till you figured it out it was fake, but it still physically reacted. Do you see what I'm getting at? So your body doesn't know right away if this is real or if it's fake or perceived. It all kicks into gear. So what are we going to do, whether you're ready for a fake fear or a real fear? So it's got to go deeper. You need help deeper in how to respond in a fearful situation. The enemy uses this all the time. The enemy was defeated at the cross, but the enemy knows the power of fear. And so the enemy uses false evidence to stir your body into fear. Your body's just doing what it was mechanically made to do. How many of you have ever had a situation where you've been overtaken by fearful thoughts? Anybody? One, two, 74. Okay. You have, right? Now your body, people come along and say, oh, come on, be reasonable, you shouldn't be scared. But your body did a natural thing, it kicked into gear, and what the enemy loves to do is use that mechanism to push buttons on you. How many of you have ever had like a night terror? You just, just something comes over you and you're just scared. Just fear comes. Well, that's your body working. Could be the enemy putting false thoughts in. Now, what we have to develop is how, as Christians, are we going to work with this mechanism of fear, flight or fight situation? What we've got to develop is something within us that could withstand this kind of fear that's coming. So that you're not paralyzed, but you know how to discern and where to go with this, and how to make sure that the enemy doesn't get the best of you.
So what do we have to do? We've got to change the, the base that we're working out of. I don't want to work out of my physical mechanism because this thing is wired to go off at any time. I have to work out of my faith, even for my body. I have to tell my body to trust God. I have to teach my body to trust the Lord. Now this is not unlike speaking in tongues. You have to teach your brain. The Spirit wants to use this now. Your brain is unfruitful. Your brain's the one that always uses the mouth and speaks. But, but you have to train your body what faith says by the Word of God. The Holy Spirit can speak through me. It's the same thing with fear. You have to train your body that I'm going to respond to God first before I listen to my body. And so there's a couple verses that I want to look at. Pastor Ron gave us uh, the verse about peace and and gave a, a discussion on peace. And Isaiah 26 verse 3 says this, He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now, there is a perfect peace. The word perfect in Scripture is complete, full, full measure, complete, nothing lacking. He will keep you in complete peace. But there's a condition to this. What's the condition for that kind of peace? Mind stayed on thee. Right? The mind on the Word of God, whose mind is stayed on you. So we have to practice having our mind stayed on Christ's reality, not the reality around us. So that you're listening to the voice of the Spirit. When something comes that traumatizes, something comes, a God thing kicks into gear instead of a fear thing kicking into gear. I don't know how many of you have ever had that experience, right? How many of you have ever had that experience where you're driving and you, you can't get a hold of the car, you're on ice or this or that? First thing comes out of your mind is, Jesus! I don't know how many people have been saved from accidents by that prayer. Right? Because your mind stayed on the Lord and something came out of your spirit instead of out of your brain. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right? You've been in an experience and the first thing you do is, Jesus! Oh God! Those are great prayers. How many of you know that? Those are deep prayers. Man, I've, been, I've used those prayers a lot of times. I've seen things happen that way. When you're in a God situation, you might think, i got to get out of here, but your feet run to the thing, and you're going like, what, 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 whoa, what is this about? Because something happened in your spirit that kicked into gear that you went to race. I remember another time, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Lise, we were at Woods Theater that, talk, that dates ourselves. Woods Theater is where St. John's Hospital on 7 Ross used to be. All right, we were at the theater there, and they used to park three deep. I never understood that. But you'd park, and then you'd park behind someone, and then someone would come park behind you. So we were at an early movie at the Woods Theater. We got out, and then we couldn't move because there was a stupid car parked behind us. So we're sitting in the car, and there was a lady screaming in the parking lot down by the Woolworths or something. I don't know what was down there. And we're sitting there, and some lady was, oh, oh. And I jumped out of the car. Couldn't open our doors because we were trapped. I jumped out of the window of the car and I got out and I started going down to the car. And then I thought, what am I doing? 
And I yelled, hey, what are you doing? And it stopped. And then they got out of there. And I thought, why did I do this? This is crazy. But it, it was a God thing. I stopped whatever was happening in that thing at that time. And, and I think I was used by God. I'm going to believe I was used by God. Because when this, this scream came out, I ran to the situation instead of, you know, freaking out. And, and you speak to these things. There is coming a time when fear will overtake other people's hearts, but Christians will respond by God. Because their mind is stayed. You can't shake me. You can't. The reality is, oh, there's something coming out of the sky. I don't care. I got Jesus. I'll talk to that thing. It's an alien. I wouldn't be surprised if demons come out of the sky looking like E.T. And everybody freaks. But the Christians go, uh-uh, no way. I know what you are in Jesus' name. Now you're being silly, Pastor. I don't think I am. I think... You're going to have people... Now, how many, of you have, how many of you have heard some of these crazy situations where people, gunmen, are coming into schools and students, young people, are standing up and you find out they're the believers? You see, something's happening in believers. Something's happening where, where school teachers are covering, taking care of kids and, and even surrendering their own lives to protect kids and you find out they're believers. You see, because something's kicking into gear, and that's what I'm talking about. We've got to get ready. You've got to become a people who are no longer going to be uh, led by adrenaline, but led by the Holy Spirit. Your body is going to become conditioned to follow the Holy Spirit because you trust in Him. That means when you get up, you need to read the Word of God. That means when you're driving in your car, you need to be having communion and fellowship with the Lord. That means when you're walking down the street, you're talking to the Lord at all times. What, do you want us to be Jesus freaks? Absolutely, that's what I'm talking about. Because I want to tell you that the Word of God says that even the very elect could be deceived, but yet He cuts that time short. That's how dramatic this time is that we're entering into. Now, you might say, oh, but Pat, you know, come on, uh, the end, the end. It's not coming for another 150 years. Okay, well, whatever we're in now, we can use this. Because if this ain't the end, do you know what I'm saying? We could still use this. And then let's use it and teach the next generation if that's the case. But here's how you get that kind of a mindset. Revelation 12, 11 to 12 says this. It's a declaration against our adversary, the devil, who is accusing us day and night. I got a revelation on this the other day that he, not only is he before the throne of God accusing us day and night, but he's, he's in your neighbors and in your friends who are accusing you day and night. Mm-hmm. Right? I'll tell you, so many accusations coming from believers. Pastor, are you saying that the devil's in believers? I'm just questioning it. (laughs) Sorry. That was a joke, okay? But man, do we accuse each other. Day and night. Has anybody noticed this? Right? You go home and everybody's talking about each other. You see that? You know what that person did. Man, don't put the accuser's words in your mouth. They're dirty. They're filthy. They came out of the devil's mouth. What are you putting them in yours for? Brush your teeth. Use Holy Spirit dentine. Do something. Speak well. Edify. 
But anyways, the accuser speaks and this and that, and it says in the last days, this, this time where there'll be such fear that the, the accuser's doing this, but it gives us a remedy on how to overcome the devil. And here's how you overcome the devil. Remember, and his tactic is fear. That's all he's got. He was defeated at the cross. I never finished my statement earlier. He was defeated at the cross, so all he has as a weapon is fear and intimidation. Fear and intimidation. But if you ain't afraid of him, he's useless he can't come against you because your mind is stayed it's fixed on the things of god so there's these three things that is gonna that are gonna keep us fixed on the lord and defeat the enemy from causing fear to overcome us number one the blood of the lamb i trust the blood of the lamb i don't trust me i fail god but the blood of the lamb keeps me clean it washes me it cleanses me it keeps me clean that's my protection devil can come and accuse me and say you're a loser and i go you're right (laughs) but god loves me and he washed me clean so you got no weapon against that no weapon against that and so the blood of the lamb second the word of my testimony i've got a word now this word has become my testimony this word is mine you got to study the word read the word you want to overcome fear you have to counter fear with truth Fearful things are dark things. You're afraid of the dark and this and that. Well, this is light. This is your flashlight. Come on, how many of you have smartphones? How many of you have your flashlight app? How many of you use your flashlight app? Like always. Why? You don't like the dark. So you're going to overcome the lamb by using the light of the word, which is now your flashlight. It's your testimony. Now, the church, the pre-tribulation church, stops right there in this verse we overcome them by the blood of the lamb and word of the testimony and then we then we get raptured out of this verse we stop we don't use it we write songs that talk about the blood of the lamb word of the testimony but they they don't continue the rest of the verse they don't add it in the song nobody likes the end of the song but i'm going to tell you this is the key to overcoming fear this is it right here for they love not their lives even unto death Dead people aren't afraid of nothing. Right? You can't scare a dead person. You really can't. You can go up to that coffin, you go, "Ah!" they will not move. (laughs) They're not afraid of nothing. It's true. See, what are we so afraid of? I remember, you know, I switched my view on pre-tribulation to to post-tribulation. I believe the church is going through the tribulation. I got a lot of people upset with me when I taught that. And they said, Pastor, I don't want my head cut off. I guess you don't live in China, don't live in Africa, don't live in... Because that's going on right now. The only words I had to comfort her is it's going to happen so quick you won't feel it. It didn't comfort her. (laughs) She kind of thinks she didn't appreciate that. But the point is, and I was, I was, sometimes I get sarcastic, but I use that point because we're dead. When you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you had to die in order to do it. You had to die on the cross. Romans 6, it's standard teaching that you were unified. You came in union with Christ on the cross. Do you not know that you were buried with Christ in baptism? You had to die. So, so this gospel is not about your comfort and your blessings. It's about his kingdom advancing. And, and so the concept is, 
I should not be fearful because I'm already dead. So I'm telling you what, it's a, it, it's a, a crazy thing. Uh, it's an unstoppable thing when you have a man or woman of God on a mission for God who's not afraid to die. They're unstoppable because they don't care. They'll go through with this thing. Now, what'll happen is we have, I'm still on the body. I haven't gone to the soul yet, but bear with me. What'll happen is your body has a natural mechanism that says, I need to stay alive. That's good. That's natural. But there's something that happens by the Spirit of God that says, despite what my body is doing, I need to determine from God whether I'm going to stand or leave. What do you want me to do, God? It is. And God will give you a portion of faith at those times. And people say, well, no, you know, I don't have to worry about that. God's going to protect me all the time. Really? Talk to the martyrs. Talk to all the apostles, every one of them martyred. Talk to all the saints throughout church history. What, they didn't have enough faith? Come on. Talk to all the Christians now. More Christians martyred in the 20th century than any time in church history. So was it a lack of faith on their part? Or was it their time to give their life for the Lord Jesus Christ? And here's the thing. You already gave your life for the Lord. So you belong to Him and He will choose when to take you out. Well, he promised me this. He, didn't, he promised you to advance his kingdom through you, and he'll do it in whatever means. Now, some of you don't like that, but you've got to start getting used to that. And I'll tell you what, when everybody else is panicked and in fear, you will do what the Lord tells you to do. And you will run to the trauma because the Spirit says, now is your time to go into this situation. And you'll do it. So, what I'm saying is fear can attack the body and there are mechanisms in the body, but there is a power in the spirit that overcomes even our flesh and its mechanisms. The second area that we have fear is in our soul. John says this, there is no fear in love. So emotionally, I can have fear. Uh, It's not a thing I see coming on me, but it's something I'm fearing. And most of us are broken people. Most of us are damaged. Most of us have had emotional trauma. And so when we're feeling it again, something's coming my way, something feels like it did before, I begin to fear. I don't want to go through depression again. I don't want to be anxious again. I don't want to feel rejection again. And we fear. But God says, I've got a remedy for that. It's my love. And he says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love. Wow, there we are at perfect again. He said, I'll give you perfect peace if your mind stays on me. Now he says, I've given you perfect love. Perfect love. Completed love. Is God's love perfect for you? See, now here's where we have to wrestle because there are so many believers who don't feel they have God's perfect love. They feel they have to earn God's love or that he doesn't love them enough yet because they've really basically messed up too much. I've got to do better so God will love me more. If you have the sense that you need God to love you more, you don't understand the perfection of his love. 
His love for you is perfect right now. In other words, He will not add any more love to you and He will not take away any love. His love is complete or perfect right now. You do not have to fear the Lord removing Himself from your life. Because His love is perfect. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, We've got people who say, yeah, but if you do this, this, and this, he's out of here. He's leaving you as soon as possible. Really? After the covenant he made with his blood and his words, your performance, your performance will make him leave you. Can I tell you, if it's based on your performance, you've got a lot to be afraid of. You really do. Now he says, in love, this is perfected love, this is perfect love, it is complete. My love for you is perfect right now. But you don't know what that guy did. He knew what you did. While we were yet sinners, his love was perfect. Do you see this? You see, so there is a perfect love. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now, I know the difference between uh, punishment and discipline. My, my Lord Jesus will discipline me with instruction to overcome sin. But to punish me unto condemnation is not part of love. You know this as a parent, right? Do you beat your children or do you discipline them in love to outgrow and move on. We know that that kind of brutality is evil. God does not do that. So a perfect love. If you being evil know how to give your child bread, how much more will your father give the Holy Spirit and which has everything that you need? Right? This love is perfect. So why are we fearing? Why are we fearing so much? We're afraid He won't do what He said He'd do. We're afraid He'll forsake us. We're afraid He'll forget about us. But if I understand that He will never leave me, never forsake me, He will always love me, and that I have already given my life to Him, then He can do whatever He wants with me and through me, and He'll be with me in it. You see, the people, I can't get the image out of my mind, those 21 Christians that were kneeling on the, on the sand of the Mediterranean, crying out to Jesus. People say, yeah, well, where's your Jesus now? Right there, with them, standing with them, for them to have the courage and the boldness to utter his name at death of those who would have them renounce that name. He was there, boldly and courageously. You see, it overcomes fear. Something happens where the Spirit of God will give you courage where once you were afraid. I didn't think I had it. I I was arrested in China about, I don't know, six, seven years now and being taken off in a police car and putting in the back seat and then put under house arrest and police with guns and machine guns and putting you in a hotel room and then knowing you're waiting to get interrogated. I don't know. They're going to pull my fingernails off? They're going to drug me? I don't know. Am I going to see my family again? I was afraid for my life. But all of a sudden, something began to happen for me. My, 
my children wrote me cards for each day of the week. And in the middle of the night, I, I thought to myself, I, I guess I might as well read a card. Because I don't know what's going to happen. I pulled the card out for that day to encourage myself. And I pull it out, and it was a card from my daughter, Emily. And, and that card read, God made you for this day and for this hour. He is with you now. I'm reading this, and I'm going, ah. All of a sudden, God was in that room with me. But I didn't know if I was going to come out of that thing. Now, thank God I did, and thank God it wasn't bad at all compared to what people go through, but I didn't know that. Something happened to the fear that was on me when I knew God was with me. Do you see what I'm saying, folks? Get your mind stayed on Him. Then He began to give me answers to this situation and how to walk me through this. I began to walk into that room and then the, the first day through that first interrogation, I was able to speak and listen to the voice of the Lord and give these guys answers and everything, and the fear left me. Then the next day, they said, we're going to interrogate you again, and I didn't know if it was going to get worse or more strenuous, and the Lord told me, no, 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 you become stubborn now, and you hold your ground. I was like, all right. Fear left me. How does this happen? This is what I'm talking about. He loves me. He shows up when I need him. How many of you have been in traumatic situations, horrible things, where loved ones are dying or do die after you've prayed and you've been there and all of a sudden there's an anointing on you in the midst of such trauma? You thought otherwise, God, you'd do something different, but he was there. Don't ever think he left you. This is perfect love. He doesn't leave. He didn't forget about you. He's in the middle of it. An anointing comes on you, and now you've got a strength and a courage that you never knew you could have in the face of death. This is what I'm talking about, people. We're living too close to the world. We've got to get closer to the power of God. You'll fear nothing. You'll stand where others fade and melt away. I've seen Christians who have big witnesses and carry big Bibles and have all sorts of things to say, but when trouble comes, they're gone. And then the real Christians haven't moved. I didn't mean real Christians. They're all Christians, but I hope you understand what I'm saying. I want to encourage you. That when, when you understand the love of God, okay, so the Word of God is going to change your actions, but the love of God touches your soul, and it holds you. But then there's a spiritual realm to fear. God did not give us a spirit of fear. Of course, He wouldn't put a spirit of fear on us. Uh, the Greek word is timidity, to be uh, uh, paralyzed, to stand back, to, to not act. You're too timid to act. You're afraid of what someone will say or what they'll do. God didn't give you that kind of a spirit, he says. Yeah, I'll tell you what kind of spirit God gave you. Paul's talking to Timothy. He said, Timothy, stop being afraid that you're a young man. You're afraid because you're young that people won't listen to you. You're afraid to step into your leadership role because of one thing or another. I don't have enough education or I don't have enough of this. He said, God didn't give you that spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a spirit that leaves you inadequate. That's what he's saying. Who here has the Holy Spirit? All right. This Spirit will not leave you wanting, inadequate, 
in any situation. If you will bear into the Holy Spirit, listen to what He says. He will use you. He didn't give you a spirit that makes you afraid of things. No, His Spirit is a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Now that sound mind, I prefer the English standard, which is really close to the Greek, which means self-discipline. In, the, in a situation that's fearful, you stand in power because you know the promises of God, because your mind stayed on them. You have love because you know a perfect love. You have a love that'll stand. Devil, you can't fool me. I'm staying right in this place because my God loves me and I'm staying here. You have a love that's casting out fear. And the last one, in spiritually, is I have a self-disciplined mind. My mind will not get caught on that trap that runs around in fear. I'm disciplined to keep my mind on the Word of God. Now, there are times you're going to need to break down. And after the situation, anybody have you ever been in a situation where you've stood strong and then you're done and all of a sudden you realize your legs are rubber and you collapse? That's where we need each other. And you cry and and you realize (laughs) what a weakling you are. But because of God, you were able to stand. How many of you remember that Twyla Paris song, The Warrior is a Child, right? I mean, there are times we stand with armor on, shield and and sword, and man, we fight, baby, we fight. But then when you take that armor off, you cry, you cry. And that's all right, because he holds you, (coughs) or one of your brothers or sisters will hold you. We need each other in all of this. We really need each other. There is a spirit of fear. The enemy knows how to create fear. So what he's going to do is he's going to study you. If you've not been studying yourself, your fodder for the enemy, the enemy studies you. He knows where you've been wounded, so he wants to create fear in those places. Why? To paralyze you or to cause you to fight or flight in an inappropriate way. Okay, so the enemy is studying you. You must study yourself. And this is ongoing. You're never going to learn who you are fully till the Holy Spirit keeps pouring it into you. But all the days of your life, you have to understand. You begin to realize your weaknesses. You begin to realize the tricks the enemy's been playing on you. How many of you have ever woken to, uh, in, in a word of revelation, the Spirit of God showed you something you didn't even realize you were operating in? You realized, doggone it, that devil got me. He's been playing me like a fiddle. He said, no more. Self-discipline. You, you have watched yourself. You watch where your weak points are, and you break a spirit of fear. It's an assigned spirit to go cause trouble for you. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have a returning fear? Be honest. A returning fear, okay. I'll be honest. You know, I had a returning fear. I had, uh, one of my fears is that I was going to die before my children were old enough because my dad died when I was 16. So that fear was put on me and I held it secret to myself and I, and I prayed all the time, God, let me live so that at least my kids could be old enough, that I could raise them up long enough. That was a lie. And I was bound by that. But God broke it in me. Thank God, amen. He broke, now I pray, God, let me live long, long, long. But you understand what I'm talking about, those of you that have a fear. There's a spirit of fear that is assigned to you 
to keep you in that place. God's got an answer for you tonight, and He's got a remedy for you. And we want to break that spirit of fear. He didn't give you, God didn't give you that spirit. The enemy did. God's got power to break that spirit, love to crush that spirit, and self-discipline that God is going to discipline or encourage, give you a soundness, and here we're back on peace, an ordered mind. Okay? That's what God wants to do. So I, I conclude with this. The total verse that we started with in Luke 21. It says that in these last days, men's hearts will be failing them from fear and expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now I spoke on this a couple weeks ago. The powers of the heaven. Not only are we going to see that there are going to be some activities going on astrological, you know, I, I, I mean planets and and, and uh, comets and stars and different things in the universe. But I believe what's really happening when it says the powers of the heavens is the demonic realm is busting loose over the earth. And when that's happening, the people are afraid of what's coming to the earth from fear and expectation. But he says this, Then they will see the Son of God, the Son of Man, coming in a cloud with power and glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. So there's a change. That's why John said, uh, I'm sorry, Paul said to encourage each other about the, the teaching of the second coming of Christ. He says, because of these things, you should be encouraged. But look at the church today. The church is scared to death of the end times. When we should be more excited than ever, Jesus is coming back soon. Right? So I imagine as Christians in these last days, people are scared to death. They're running to and fro. There's fear or there's fight going on. There's anarchy in the earth. But what are the Christians doing? We're going like, all right, Jesus is coming. This is awesome. You duck because a comic goes, this is amazing. Demons are flying around. You go, poof. And you're going, Jesus is coming. Keep your eyes on him. You're going to see things happening powerfully. I'll throw this out. You can, you can throw it out if you don't like it. But uh, I, I have a feeling that, you know, people are all into comic books and superheroes and Captain America and all this stuff. I kind of think in these last days, Christians are going to be doing exploits that are going to be amazing. We don't need Captain America's shield. We've got a shield of faith, man. We're going to be throwing that thing around like you wouldn't believe. I don't need the Green Lantern. I've got the light of the Holy Spirit. We don't need Superman. We've got the Holy Ghost. What's the, you know, what's the difference? I just think they're going to be great exploits. But we won't do them if we're paralyzed or if we're fighting to keep ourselves alive or if we're running to the mountains to sustain ourselves. We've got to take fear out of the equation. The only one who can do that is the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Jesus, help.